0: So this is our last week of our Blockbuster series. I want to invite you back next week. I don't know if you saw the title uh, yet. I, you know, I kind of try to span out my sermons about uh, six months uh, at a time. I'm getting there as we're getting transitioned in. But next week is a sermon that's called How to Be Rich. So you don't, you don't want to miss that one. Uh, that, that'll be uh, an important one. Uh, as we're moving forward. But this weekend is the last weekend of our blockbuster series. And so what we did over a number of weeks is we just took uh, some of the popular movies for the summertime uh, and kind of used them as basis to jump into the Word of God and to take a look at it. And so our movie this week was this summer's blockbuster of the Space Jam, A New Legacy. Uh, And so we actually did have an opportunity to view it as a family or I should my, I should say my family does. Typically, movie night at the Baldwin House, you know, kind of starts with pizza, and then we move into the living room. We start the movie. I go into my recliner, and about ten minutes in, I'm out. Um, and then I typically wake up, you know, like right as it's finishing, and I'll just, say, hey, that was a great movie, you know. And so I don't I don't participate much in the movie nights, just being honest. Um, but we had a movie night that was uh, Space Jam, a new legacy. Uh, Which, if you remember, years ago, uh, with the GOAT, I will say, Michael Jordan, there was the movie Space Jam. Uh, And so now this is the 25-year reunion, now with LeBron James, and the storyline is is, uh, his son kind of getting captured, and now LeBron James has to, uh, you know, uh, do this great feat, uh, working with Bugs Bunny and others. Uh, to, you know, kind of get his son back. So that, uh, that's all I'll give you, but, uh, you know, if you want to check that out, or maybe you had already checked it out, but, but both in Space Jam movies, really, you know, the, the culprits are these large goons, um, and, uh, you know, it's actually a story uh, in the Bible where there was this little guy named David who fought against this big goon uh, whose name was Goliath. Now, there's a number of different applications and ways that we can look at the story and comprehend. There's some wonderful lessons in it. So much from David's life, but especially in the story David and Goliath. In fact, even in preparation here, I was, was in my devotions in the book of Psalms, you know, and, and you read the Psalms and David's lessons of helping with his enemies, and you got to wonder, like, was he talking about this time, you know? And so... Um, There's a number of different ways that we can look at this, but one of the biggest things that David and Goliath gives us is a lesson about our fears. Um, I don't know, you know, kind of what you're, you know, facing today, or if there's anything like that that, you know, you're experiencing. Um, There's all kinds of different fears that we face. Sometimes it's a fear of spiders, or a fear of snakes, or, you know, fears of You know, somebody being in our rooms at night. Some of us have fears that are focused around our finances or around our health or around our children or around our parents, and those are some more serious fears. Some have fears of commitment and rejection, maybe even fearful of being successful and fearing failure. Um, These are all things that we have that you know, at times we can kind of carry with us in life. And so what I want you to do is that I want you to think about maybe a a fear that you're facing right now. Um, And maybe if you can't really think about it, if there's anything that is causing you great worry and great anxiety, it's possible that there's a fear that's behind it. And I want you to think about that because we're going to deal with that today. The reason I said that fear is like one of the, the big things in the story of David and Goliath is because we see it right in the story. Now, this is going to be more of a narrative sermon where I'm going to be kind of reading the story and then giving you points from it. So I know it's a lot of reading, but just just hang on and let's, let's uh, dive in and take this story in together. In 1 Samuel 17 is where we find it. It kind of sets up to where they are in the valley. Now, the Philistines sexually, there was a battle that, was, uh, that really took them out about 27 years ago, but now they are back with a vengeance. It says in verse 3 of 1 Samuel 17, the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who is from Gath, came out in the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and one span. And so what basically is happening is that Israel has this encampment and the Philistines, who have been their enemies for years and continue to be, are moving in on them. And so they know that this army is moving closer. And so rather than just sit there and be you know, overtaken, they eventually set up a kind of a line of defense. And so what we see from this um, story is that this one is in a valley. And so basically you have Philistines on one side of the hill, and then you have um, uh, the, the Israelites that are on the other. And so at times what would happen in these battles, not always, but but oftentimes, you'd have each nation would basically have what they call the champion. Actually, the word in Hebrew is the one that goes between. And so what that means is so that it would prevent such great loss of life, there are actual times when, you know, you would send out your champion. And so there would be one champion from the Philistines, one champion from the Israelites, and they would face off. And it was result of their face off that would be the winner. So it ends up saving lots of lives, but, you know, it's kind of a way of taking care of it. And so, obviously, Goliath is the Philistine champion. He is six cubits and a span. Now, it's interesting, more recent, you know, kind of um, research on this has him going at about 6'6". But really, traditionally and academically, and what's much more solid, is that he's probably closer to about 9.5 to 9.9 9, 9, 9, uh, in his stature. So he is a very big guy. Uh, and so he's the one that comes out. And so then we continue in verse 8. Second half, it says, Goliath says, Choose a man and have him come down to me. And if he's able to fight and kill me, he, you, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul, and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now, it's very interesting because um, I kind of have a small theory on this, but uh, that, you know, Saul is the one that we know is the king now. And one of the reasons that Saul is selected is because he was head and shoulders above all others. We also know that he was also carrying the champ. Well, we're going to see a little bit later that he carries the champion's armor. You wonder kind of if Saul was Israelite's champion at the time or maybe at some point in his life. And, but what we see here is that as Goliath comes out, the Israelites, one, are dismayed. They're extremely discouraged. They don't feel like they have a champion, anybody, that can really face off against Goliath. They don't think this is going well. The other is that they're just terrified. They're, they're paralyzed, you know. They're, they're set on this hill. They don't want the Philistines to come any further, but they are just so afraid. They have a great fear about what is happening and what is going to happen next. Let's jump down to verse 22. It says, David left his things with the keeper of the supplies, and he ran to the battle lines and asked his brother how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, but this time David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him with great fear. There it is again. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family line from taxes in Israel. (laughs) That's really helpful when you're from New York. (laughs) Uh, I mean, uh, Pennsylvania too, right? Um, But David asked those standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God, right? And so you have this whole army, this large group that is just terrified, and they are paralyzed, and they are even aware of earthly, you know, uh, reward that's been put out for them. Whoever defeats Goliath, well, David comes, and he hears Goliath's defiance it falls on David's ears different. And then finally he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is gonna take care of this giant? Because he, what did he say? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You see, the one, many of them heard the words of Goliath and it just paralyzed them with fear. David heard these words of Goliath and he says, no, no, no. No one talks about the armies of my God that way. You see, one of the reasons that they were so paralyzed, they were so fearful, they were so terrified, is they could not think about, they they could not comprehend anything but the large giant that was before them. But it was different for David He saw the same giant, but he knew a God who was much greater, and he knew this was disgrace to God, and so he knew right away because of all that Goliath was saying, David knew where the battle lines were, and he knew that God was on his side. And so then, verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are little more than a boy. And he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. You see, not only David see much more than the giant that was before him he began to process this in his mind and he says well this giant is big but when I think about my time shepherding I think about the times that a lion has tried to come and has tried to carry away a sheep and I know in those times God was with me and I took care of that lion and then I know there was a time when a bear would come and he was trying to get a hold of one of the sheep and when he did I'd go after him, and I would take care of him as well. And he says, in those instances, God was with me, and he will be with me with Goliath as well. That's one of the things I think that happens when we face a new fear, when we face something that's great before us, when we we're just paralyzed, we're not sure what to do, we're not sure where to go, and how to move forward. One of the best things we can do is remember that God is and has been faithful. That there are times when we have faced things that maybe were bigger fears but maybe were smaller fears but that we can look back and we can watch the way in which God worked. One of the things that Tammy and I did very early on in our marriage was keep a blessing journal and it just began to to go back and and write out all the times that God had blessed our marriage when God had answered a prayer, like in a major, major way. And any time we've come up against a, a greater challenge in our life, we can't help but to get out that journal and say, oh, yeah. Remember when we had this financial need and he met it. Remember when this happened and then God took care of it this way. Remember when this took place and then God had done this. You know, one of the toughest things that we have, and one of, the, one of the reasons that I think fear grips us sometimes is because we have a tendency to forget what God has done in our lives. And he has said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so if we're facing something right now, just remember how God has been faithful and keep focused on him. Then in verse 38, um, <laughs> I'm actually going to skip over this part just for time, but then there's this point where Saul says, well, you can't just go out alone. Here's my armor, right? And so David tries it on. And, it, and, you know, and it's, a, you know, it's just, you know, he's just fumbling over himself. He's like, there, there's just no way this is going to work. And that's so big too, isn't it? Because it's not going to be somebody else's faith. It's not going to be somebody else's tools that, that help us at a point in life. You know, it's got to be us and God. And we've got to have enough courage to go into the battle to face our fear when it's just the two of us. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book, actually, about David and Goliath. And it's kind of interesting. He has some interesting points in it. One was this, is that one of the greatest contrasts with David and Goliath is that Goliath did have the armor on, and the armor weighed 126 pounds, and David didn't. And so what we perceive in that moment is this great disadvantage ends up being this incredible advantage because David has the the capacity and the agility uh, to actually, you know, see, um, come to fruition what would take place. Let's jump to verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine with a shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked at David and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks because he's holding his little slingshot? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut you off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. You see, David is processing Better and better as this is going on because he says wait a minute I know that this guy Goliath is big but he is no match for God and the battle is the Lord's I'm telling you when you are facing a fear or anything else that you're facing in your life remember that the battle is the Lord's right We do not fight against flesh and blood. (laughs) The battle is the Lord's. And so that's why he encourages us to always bring these things to him in prayer. So whatever it is that I asked you about, of that fear that you kind of placed in, in your mind right now, whatever you're going through right now, what would it be like, just picture yourself holding that fear and placing it into the large hands of God and saying, God, would you take care of this for me. And so then, verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. So, while we did our best to illustrate it, it was not uh, tin foil to the tummy. It was a rock <laughs> to the head that took out Goliath. Now the thing is this, when, when you think about the armor that they had, now most of it is kind of like this leather strips that they put around them at the time. It was, it was very um, Syrian um, influenced uh, and so you can kind of think about all of that. The other thing is that Goliath had a shield bearer Uh, And so he often would hide behind that shield. And so I think that's how David moved in, pretty close probably, where Goliath could not see him. But I'm telling you, (laughs) David could not miss. Because when you think about the armor that Goliath had, sometimes when we see him pictured like with this large metal helmet, and we think like, well, then how, how did he ever get hit? Wouldn't it just hit the helmet and bounce off? But actually what it was like for Goliath, this helmet that he had was a strap that was right here, and then it had like these triumphant feathers that would make him look even taller than he was. And then it had these leather strips that went down around his head. I wish I had a picture of it for you, but can you kind of picture that? And so there was this spot that was square like this, where there was just a strap. It was just below the feathers, and it was the opening where there were no, none of the leather straps. I mean, there was basically one shot, one spot that David had and it was right in the forehead but it ended up as you look at Goliath it's like this huge target and so we know the story David knocks him right into the forehead and knocks Goliath down now most likely he's probably dazed by the stone it was a pretty good shot and then we know David took off his head so that took care of it you know (laughs) um sorry uh but this massive, giant, is defeated. So you have this large army that is terrified and full of fear. And you have this little boy who has great faith, who says the battle belongs to the Lord, and who knew that he had a God who was greater than this giant. And so what can I say when it comes to our fears? Let me give you a couple of hints. Number one is to remember who's with you. Remember who's with you. God has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And so whatever fear you're facing right now, I know that you have a God who is greater. Think of the story, shall we, just for a moment in Matthew 8. It says, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up in the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Verse 26, he replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. Then the men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. That is your God. Even the winds and waves obey him. Whatever you're facing is not greater than him. Secondly, it's just an encouragement to stay in the scripture, to stay in the scripture. The best way to defeat fear in our lives is to combat it with the truth of the word of God. There's nothing like the word of God and speaking that into our fears that can keep us on the right path with God. He's given us his word that he wants us to fill and have in our hearts to lead our lives. The other one say it to start small, but I guess it's remembering what God has done. At whatever you're facing right now, don't look so much about the challenge that is ahead, but think about his faithfulness that is behind. Think about the ways that God has been faithful, how he has provided for you, how he's watched over you, how he has cared for you, because he's not moved no matter what you're facing in this moment. And then finally, stand On God's promises there are so many of his promises in the word that he wants for us to have be a part of our life that we would base our faith our life and that we would stand strong because he is a God who is not just a promise maker he is a promise keeper and he is with us wherever we go and so I have three questions before you go If you knew you could not fail, what would you attempt for God? Is there anything that God has laid upon your heart? But in fear, you've just held it back and you've been paralyzed and you're you're just staying still. But God wants you to move forward. If you knew you couldn't fail, what would you attempt for God? The second is what fear is standing in your way right now? What is it that you might be able to hold in your hands and then give over to God? And then third, this week, what is it that you might be able to do to combat the fear that's before you so that you can move forward in faith in your life? Let us pray together. You know, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, What I'd like for you to do is just to go along with me in it. And I'd like you to cup your hands in front of you. And I'd like you to think about something you're facing in life. that's, That's something that's a fear right now, a real challenge. You know, all of us together We have some challenges as a church to rebound from COVID and transitions and all that's been taking place. So if you have nothing, would you hold our church in your hands or whatever it is that you're dealing with right now? And would you just visualize yourself placing it in these large hands these giant hands that are not Goliaths, but they are the hands of your loving Heavenly Father. I want you to know that the battle belongs to the Lord, that God's got this, and that God's got you. And so, Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful that you are a God who cares for us so tenderly, who leads us so faithfully, And Lord, in every way that you've worked in our lives previously, you can do it now. And so God, I don't know what we're facing today, but God, you do. You know right where we're at. And so, oh Lord, might you continue to lead us. Thank you, God, for this beautiful story. For at times we feel like little girls and little boys. That are facing some pretty big things, but you are a God who's always caring for us. We think of the promise of your word that says, Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And so, God, that's what we're going to do. We're going to place all of this into your hands. And it's in Jesus' holy and precious name that we pray.